Hello everyone and welcome to the Chai with Champs podcast season 1. I'm Ritika Agrawal, your host, where I sit down and have a virtual cup of tea with some of the most inspiring and successful individuals from around the world. Join me as I delve into their stories, explore their triumphs and challenges, and discover the ingredients that help brew them success. Whether you're an entrepreneur, an artist, an athlete, or simply someone looking to grow and improve, you'll find valuable insights and wisdom in every episode. So grab your cup of chai, sit back, and join me on this exciting journey. Hi, Jay. Welcome to the Chai with Chams podcast. I am so excited to host you and learn more about your journey. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. A little nervous, but I'm, I'm, I always love these type of conversations. So oh, I think don't be, be nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we dive into it, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So my name is Jay Choice Tibbetts. I am a advertising strategist, specifically specializing in social media strategy at an agency called Deutsch New York. Um, and I also am on the side, a content creator, writer um, around the fashion space. So I do content across all the platforms, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, I'm starting to get into. Um, so you can find me at J Tibbetts or at J Choice Tibbetts, depending on um, the platform and the channel. Amazing. I love that you wear multiple hats and I think our audience is going to get so much out of this conversation. So I'm excited to get straight into it. Um, I learned about you when I was in my maid internship program. And for our listeners, maid internship is basically a marketing and advertising internship program for college students. And I was a part of it in 2020. Um, and you were a former intern thriving in the ad industry, um, setting an example for us to kind of follow your footsteps. And now fast forward to 2023, we're three, three years in. Um, you're a part-time content creator, you're associate director at Deutsch, and you're attending fashion weeks across the globe. Um, can you tell us about that journey? What, When did you discover your passions and how did you kind of go along that plan? Yeah, um, it's a bit of a wonky one, not necessarily a straight path, but I think that's always nice to know that you can kind of end up um, in one particular place, even if you kind of started somewhere else. And that's kind of my my story. So um, rewind, I before I went to college and I went to school at Florida University, go Rams, um, I went to school for global business specializing in finance. So I actually wanted to go into finance into investment banking, one of the reasons why I came to New York. But before that, in high school as a senior, so about 2015, I started a blog. Um, mainly because I actually realized that you can make money off of blogs by like linking things. I, I always was like interested in fashion. Um, and it really, like I, someone told me about how like you could like kind of make like passive income by like just blogging and like linking things. I was like, oh, that seems cool. That's kind of like what kind of got me into it. Um, really kind of no big strategy or anything, just kind of started it for fun. Um, fast forward, I go to school for finance, um, minoring in finance, um, but my like major, not sorry, I went to school for global business and I concentrated in finance. So I did a bunch of gold um, internships. I interned at um, Morgan Stanley, um, uh, in, like an investment bank in Shanghai. Um, and so I was doing all of this work in 
finance and banking. And then I realized, oh, wait, I don't necessarily love this. <laughs> um, and so I took a gap year um, for like some personal health reasons. Um, and then within that gap year, I needed to work because I was still living in New York. Um, and I also just love working. And so in that time, I kind of doubled down on my interest in fashion. So I had jobs at um, Louis Vuitton. I was a client advisor there. I was um, a receptionist at the flagship Van Cleef and Arpels boutique um, in New York on Fifth Avenue. And then I also was a stylist um, at the Real Real, at their um, flagship store in Soho. And I did that over the course of like 12 months while I was in school. This kind of was the period where I started to do more of the content creation work a little bit more, um, since I was taking it a little bit more seriously. Um, I kind of left it on the shelf for like a few years because I was focused on um, finance and like going into banking and all of these things. And I thought, oh, like this like content stuff, like that's not going to do anything for me. Fast forward and I have friends who are full-time content creators and we can see the industry where it is now. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should have kind of stuck with it. But, but hey, no regrets. Um, and so at that point, um, I go back to school and I change my concentration um, from finance to consumer insights. So marketing, like marketing research. And um, at that point, I had an amazing professor who was an old advertiser. He worked at BBDO and he actually invented like the M&M characters. He just had done a, so many amazing projects. And he was been a huge like mentor and advocate for me, even today. I still call him when I like have questions and like challenges and he's great. His name is T Timothy Malafite. And um, at that point, he kind of showed me that there was this avenue for advertising, which kind of mixed my skills in kind of business strategy, um, social media, which was kind of a growing um, field within advertising spaces. And that's how I got connected with the main program, which is how we're connected. Um, and he was the person who recommended me do it and to my recommendations and all of that. Um, and so that kind of kicked off my journey into the advertising world. Um, since then, I've been at like really boutique agencies, um, one called Plural, which is where I actually did a lot of my, got a lot of my experience. And I actually did that while I was still in college. So I spent about two years working there as like a permalancer. So because it was a team of like 10 people, it's like a founder CEO situation, they were very flexible. So I was able to kind of work full-time hours while still being in school, but because it was so small and he had such great connection within the city and in business, um, I was able to work on huge projects and that really kind of expedited my experience. So then when I graduated school, in 2020, um, I was able to get a mid-level strategist position at uh, Wonderman Thompson. I was there for about a year, and then Deutsch poached me, um, and I became um, social strategist when I first started, and now um, I am associate director. Um, and so I lead, um, the, I co-lead the department with my um, counterpart, um, Alexis Madison, who's amazing. Um, and so I own all of the clients that I touch, in terms of the digital perspective and then she owns all the clients she touches um and yeah it's been it's been a bit of a uh kind of wonky journey but it's been good nonetheless i love that thank you so much for sharing that in-depth journey of going from finance to content creation to strategy and social media like this is so exciting and i know like personally like i'm in advertising and social media and all of that yada yada which is always so exciting to be in so it's exciting to see what you've done and what you've accomplished so far but with accomplishments come challenges and especially as a person of color what were some of the obstacles you faced and how did you kind of overcome them that's a great question i feel like part of me wants to just kind of go with the 
the more kind of direct responses, you know, like microaggressions or like lack of allyship, of course, those are going to be realities as like a person of color um, in any really professional setting. But I think that whenever this question comes up, I always think about kind of more of the underlying challenge. And for me personally, what I always think about is as a person of color in these spaces, a lot of times we don't have the luxury of failure. So there's this idea that when we when we're there, you have to come a hundred percent and really drive results. And there's no kind of room to for people to kind of see sweat because you're kind of one of one. Um, and it was already such kind of a <laughs> a, um, a shattering of like glass ceilings to get there, and that can come with added pressures, of course. Um, but I'd say that in the same way that that's a challenge, I actually now think of it as a huge opportunity because I know in any situation I'm so prepared and I've done so much work and I know kind of my skills and I really can own that. Um, and that's actually, I think, what has propelled me throughout my career to move faster than maybe some other people um, because I kind of have that like underlying pressure, which is a challenge, but I've kind of turned it into more of an opportunity. That's amazing. So you've converted like um, a challenge into a strength, into an opportunity and just worked your way through it. Yeah, the best way to do it. I always say that I said the same thing recently about living in New York. It's the most expensive city in the world, yes. But I now reframe it in my mind. I'm like, well, actually, it is true. It's the most expensive city in the world. But I could go anywhere else, and it feels cheap. So, yep. <laughs> so, so it's, just, it's just about That's reframing things it. in your mind. It's yeah. just about reframing things in your mind. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I mean, as a person of color myself, I can relate on many levels. I feel like there's always that pressure to do better to go above and beyond um, and to kind of excel and that kind of pressure propels you to do more sometimes to do more outside of your zone and to do more outside of your plate but I think that also prepares you for the future so I definitely relate to that um you know, content creation is still pretty new. I mean, it all started with the boom of TikTok, which is only two years old, actually three years old now. Um, and the terms influencer, content creation, UGC are still pretty new. Um, of course, in our advertising and marketing world, we are very uh, familiar with it. We know what it is because um, we're working with them. But in a corporate setting, when you have an influencer or a content creator in the room, it's still new. Um, how did you introduce your colleagues to it? Uh, well, it's, it's kind of two ways to answer this question, because one is, in terms of my actual role, my job within the agency is to lead anything that is related to digital and social for our clients. And of course, that a lot of times will um, translate to any sort of influencer activations, content creator, sourcing, etc. Um, from that perspective, it kind of becomes a kind of full level education, because even not even just the clients are unfamiliar with it, but sometimes even within the agency, it's a new space, especially for people who have been in the industry for such so such a long time, and they think of executions as simply TV spots, print ads, and out-of-home billboards, right? So that, I always start with the idea that a content creator and influencer, they're not interchangeable. Um, because And or sometimes people think they are. An influencer can be anyone as big as a Kim Kardashian, right? Um, or someone who just can provide you with huge reach, has a big following, has like gained trust with that audience, etc. A content creator can kind of span across a lot of different categories and it's kind of the overall bucket. And a content creator can range in size of following, can range in engagement, but they, they are people who actually are creating content all the time, consistently putting out content for people to consume organically, 
or brands, et cetera. I'd say that really kind of all of us, that everyone listening here is really a content creator in some way if you're on social media, right? Um, some people just capitalize on um, that content and kind of uh, commoditize it a bit. Um, and so that is where a content creator fits. A UGC creator, as what I kind of love, and I love that this is a growing space, is someone who does content creation but can be invisible. There's someone who doesn't necessarily have to have a presence across social media, um, but they create beautiful content um, and they do it in a very like socially native way. And this has been really um, a big boom in the last few years because big companies and big brands know that they can't put their flossy TV spots on social media. It's not going to translate. So you can hire a UGC creator who will create the content for you. You then own that content and you can run it as yourself. And you're just seeing their hands, you're just seeing their faces, but they aren't actually hosting it on their own channels and may just be an everyday person, but they've kind of turned that type of content creation um, into a business. So, and UGC, for those who are listening and aren't familiar, is user-generated content. So it's exactly what it sounds like. It's what you get an everyday user to generate the content for you as a brand. That is such a good explanation. I feel like I learned a lot through that. Thank you. Um, when you are, you know, managing your clients, but you're also doing this on the side, how do you kind of manage the two when you're wearing multiple hats? Um, I kind of, once again, a bit of a challenge, but I've also kind of seen it as an opportunity. I can kind of come to the table with a 360 view and understanding of if we're sourcing talent and sourcing UGC creators, content creators, influencers, I do that work on the side within my um, work as a content creator in the fashion space. Um, but I also understand the needs of a client and how at the end of the day, you have business objectives, KPIs, et cetera. So I think that under ha having that context, when I go into client meetings um, with an agency or just new opportunities that come through with brands that I partner with on my content creation side, that is has been a big, um, uh, benefit of kind of doing both of this kind of work. But kind of going back to the question about how I kind of manage it, I think it really just comes down to communication. And on top of that communication, it's understanding objectives. Because sometimes what someone says in the initial communication doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily the best way forward for what they want to achieve in the end. And they did not, not, might not be aware of that other road to get there that may be better and more efficient. Um, and so understanding kind of what do you want to, what someone wants to achieve and what kind of the end looks like, what success looks like um, is always really important. I, I always try to incorporate within um, my work with clients. Very interesting. And how do you kind of balance your vision um, when you're working with clients or say your audience's needs for that matter? How do you balance that? Um, once again, I think it kind of is a good um, build on my last answer. It's understanding where the client's objective and your vision kind of meet in the middle. Like within a Venn diagram, where is that center point where both feel like they have achieved what they want? Um, both the client kind of gets what they need from a real business strategic perspective and like the creative vision um, is still um, pulling through. Like where you can kind of sit within that Venn diagram right in the middle um, is is success to me. Gotcha. 
Thank you. Um, now let's move a little bit and talk about content creation 101. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are either wanting to pursue it, um, are content creators, or just are very excited to know more about that space. What are your five tips on how to get started as a content creator? I think the first one would be to understand what you're passionate about. Because at the end of the day, you're doing it all the time. You're really kind of commoditizing your life in a lot of ways. Um, and so thinking about what you really just enjoy doing. Um, on top of that, um, it's thinking about when you are starting, thinking about what people ask you about all the time. Like, what is that question that you get from everyone you know? Um, that's where you're already providing value within your initial circle. And you can kind of translate that value to the digital space. Um, and so when you're thinking about what kind of content you want to produce, um, that's kind of a great place to start. Um, another one I'd say is to do research. I remember when I started my YouTube channel um, a few years ago, my first videos were terrible. Um, but I remember I posted one and, and I didn't watch YouTube. I just was like, I want to start a YouTube channel, but I didn't actually watch YouTube. Yeah. My friend was like, do you watch YouTube? And I was like, no. And she's like, yeah, you can tell. <laughs> because my videos weren't like other YouTubers' videos. I just didn't understand the landscape and how people consume content on that channel. I think this part is really important because you want to understand how you fit into the larger landscape. Of course, having your own point of view, but knowing like why people are going there, what kind of the, the gold standard of content looks like. Um, so your content um, can compete. Um, number three would be... A really important one, this is just around social media in general, is not getting caught up in comparison. Um, because as much as you we consume and you're and as a content creator, you are going to be consuming a lot because you're on the platform all the time. But it's knowing that you shouldn't be comparing like your chapter one to someone else's chapter 10. Um, because a lot of times there's so much that you don't see. Even even within your own content, you can think about like think about you putting something out. How much work goes into it behind the scenes um and so you never know what it looks like for somebody else so not getting caught up in comparison i think is really important especially if you want to get into this like as a business um thinking about that as you continue to grow will be important because it will just hinder you um um overall and this is this is these are advices that i give myself as well just to be quite frank um another is to be consistent um like once again this is like a business and if some if you think of from the other perspective someone who's going to consume your content you wouldn't really be engaging in a tv show that just kind of does whenever they want to drop things like there is a, a clear plan on when the content comes out um like that's kind of a flow um you want to think of your content in the same way that you're kind of constantly providing value um for people and then the last one number five is literally to just start like you just have to start like i think it's so many times like once again speaking to myself i wanted maybe do a content pivot or i want to maybe change the way like what i'm talking about or change like the focus of my content and i'll just think about it think about it and think about it and i'm like no jay just start just just put something out there and see what happens um quick story and i've been kind of replaying this in my mind because i think it's so important is that you have to start somewhere, right? So you just get started, but you never know who's watching in those early days. And I saw something about um, a guy who was making YouTube videos consistently. I'm like, he would post one every week. 
and they were getting like 10 views, literally just 10 views. But one of those 10 views was someone on the, on Oprah's team and Oprah. And he, his content was really strong, really consistent. And he had just had a great, great point of view. He had, he was a great speaker, etc. He now has a show on own from this content he was doing on YouTube oh, that 10 wow. people are watching. So you just never know who's going to see your work. It's, it's the internet. Everybody's on it. Right. So, um, and that's given me a lot of inspiration. I kind of just love that story. So anyone who's interested in starting, it's like, just get started. Um, and you never know what's going to happen. Um, and who, who's watching it and, where, and what you're bringing value to people. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. I honestly felt so relatable on so many levels, especially as someone who also wears multiple hats. Like there have been so many instances, like even this podcast, for example, like had the idea like kept think overthinking it and you're like just mm. go for it like start recording what's stopping you right and i would have these hard timelines for myself like no you have to launch within two months because xyz person has already done this and like you get into this phase where you're comparing people and you're like no like you need to take a step back you need to have a plan of action and you need to do what you can do at your pace mm -hmm. so so relatable and so true thank you for sharing that um, as somebody who is in advertising, marketing from both like a nine to five and a five to beyond, um, how do you uh, see the role of content creation evolving in the future? Um, love this question. I actually just did an article for this in Campaign Magazine. Ooh, okay. About um, about how like the part time how the part time creator is like your most valuable asset within your company. Um, but I think that this idea of the part time creator is going to only continue to expand because like I kind of mentioned before, we're all content creators in some right, right. Um, and this need for really authentic organic content um, is so necessary as content outputs are so vast and just continuing to like need to get bigger and bigger for brands um but it has to be done in a way that's very authentic so people who understand how to do that type of content will become more and more valuable i think we'll continue to see people kind of having side hustles related to content creation and then on top of that i think like influencers content creation um ugc are going to be pivotal like lines within every brief that come um out of a brand campaign um, because you can no longer just rely on your hero message to kind of get um, your message across and actually drive all the way down the funnel into getting people engaged and converting um, to purchases or what have you with your brand. Um, and I think that that thinking from the beginning um, will begin to scale. Um, I think right now it's sometimes left to like as an afterthought, but brands that do it in the beginning um, end up with incredible um, success. Very, very interesting. Um, now let's pivot to your nine to five. Um, it is every young professional's dream to climb the ladder of success, um, you know, get that promotion, learn along the way. Um, can you tell us how, some of your best practices on how you made that dream come true? Yes. So a few of my best practices, I would say Number one is negotiation is really going to be your key to success. I heard someone say, which I completely agree with, unfortunately, you don't get what you're worth. You get what you negotiate. And so understanding how to negotiate in very more formal settings when it comes to 
like salary negotiation or promotion negotiation to even just in the day-to-day working with your teams um you're negotiating all the time and having that skill will only um kind of elevate and speed up your career growth so i'd say that's definitely a number one um i think another is understanding that wherever organization that you're in you have value so understanding what that value is and identifying that value within every product that you touch and making that as visible as possible um not doing work in the dark really today nowadays you have to do work in in the light (laughs) Um, and those are the people who you see getting um the rewards if nobody sees it that you've done it it didn't happen unfortunately (laughs) um and then the last is about kind of forward thinking in your career and it's this idea that you should be actioning on the job description before you have the title because that will only help your negotiation to when you ask for the title you could show i've already done and been doing this work um and so going above and beyond what your scope is and kind of like going back to number two it's like showing that value um like across the organization um and then kind of going into that next role job description before you're kind of given that new um contract i think it's important okay and what about if somebody wants to pivot like say like how you pivoted from investment and finance to you know social and advertising and marketing and they're sometimes somewhere in their mid-career and they want to pivot how do they kind of approach that what do they bring to the table how do they add that value how do they prove their worth in a situation like that that's a really good one i think that goes to the idea of transferable skills just because something may seem completely disparate there are actually so many um transferable skills that you can take really from any position that are of value in another so for example like my work as a content creator it's in fashion i don't work on any fashion related clients in my day-to-day i work in financial i work actually on financial services like the okay. biggest bank in the us pnc bank i work on um skincare cpg um a sports betting brand I, I work on very much not in the fashion space but i learned so much from the content creation work that i do in fashion that is transferable especially from the role of um like marketing on social and what performs well and i can take that and translate it to um, any other client. Um, And so that is kind of looking through that lens of, oh, I want to make a pivot. Everything I've done before is a wash. I can't, I have to kind of start a brand new. No, you don't. You can just iterate, um, take what you know, um, and see where it's transferable and use it as value into wherever you're going. Thank you for sharing. That was very, very beneficial. if you could go back in time, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, I think going back to the whole pivot conversation, it's that you'll be okay. It'll like it'll all work out. I remember being in my um, professional and personal development. It was called PPD at Fordham, where I went um, in the office with my now like mentor, um, the head of that department, kind of where you kind of see where. Um, you are going to be after school kind of what route you want to take what career options there are for you being like so stressed out because i couldn't see how like all of these different random things i was doing were going to come together in a way that made sense and like am i gonna have a job after college um and looking back 
going back to the transferable skills um, answer, there are so many things that seem incredibly different um, and incredibly kind of uh, random that I've done throughout my life that are so valuable to what I do now. I think a good example is when I worked at Van Cleef and Arpels. At Van Cleef and Arpels, I was on the reception team. And for those who don't know, Van Cleef and Arpels is like one of the prestigious high jewelry companies, um, similar to a Cartier, but kind of like next level, like a brooch is a million dollars. And I was in charge of kind of organizing the boutique um, in terms of like when the clients came in, making sure they were bring to the right sale associate. There was like a whole like Sudoku chart of how that was done, um, doing kind of the like the um, like soft skills of getting coffee and um, like talking to the clients while like their sales associate went to go get pieces and hosting with events and showings. That job actually, I always say, has taught me the most because it was the most highest level of client services. And within advertising, we are in a client services business. So it's always, and so, and I've always been told that like, I have this, I'm the kind of most client friendly strategist. And I always say, oh yeah, like I've done a lot of client services work in the past. (laughs) Um, And so I have the understanding of how you engage with people. And that came from a jewelry company, working at a jewelry company um, as like a receptionist. Um, But it was a huge life lesson that I've um, taken into my role um, in advertising. So just kind of looking at um, your life like holistically like that is important. I think that also reminded me of a very big lesson, which is never like jump for the biggest opportunity, like start where you can and like learn from there and then you will eventually climb the ladder. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, uh, Very, very helpful for our audience for sure. Um, Now moving on to the last question, and this is something I ask all my guests. uh, What are the three ingredients that fill Jay's cup of success? Um, I love this question. I kind of also love the play on the podcast name. <laughs> um, three things that fill my cup for success. I'd say the first is this idea of mentorship and sponsorship in one. I think as much as we can like hustle and do things ourselves, we always need someone who's above us or with more experience to kind of take us along um, and also co-sign the work that we're doing. And I think there have been so many op- so many examples in my life that have shown why that's so valuable. Like for example, my first job out of college, I mentioned that I like started as a mid-level strategist. That was because I had a mentor who was super honest with me about what, how I should be positioning myself. So even though that on paper, I had just graduated school and this job required five years of experience. I really actually had those five years of experience because of all the work that I was doing before I graduated. And this is what I should be negotiating and this is how I should frame it. And he was really honest with me about the numbers. Um, Looking back, that actually has been a huge reason why I've been able to kind of move up. And it actually, even just in terms of my like salary progression, if I didn't start there, I would be so much more behind. Only as a able to happen because I had like that mentor and sponsor to kind of really be honest with me and kind of show me the way forward. Um, in my fashion um, work, another example is um, I've been able to meet people who who I who followed me, going back to you never know who's watching, and 
have like asked me to partner with them or do things with them or help them, um, which is only like growing my portfolio and then kind of legitimize me within the space. Because also fashion is a, a bit of a closed door industry. Someone has to kind of bring you with them. And then that's what gives you the initial opportunities. Otherwise, nobody's answering the phone. <laughs> um, so I think that would be number one, my number one cup for success. I think my second would be planning. Um, planning as much as you can. Of course, being flexible and agile, something I'm still working on because I am such a planner. I'm a strategist. It's literally in my job description. Um, <laughs> but having kind of a vision of kind of where you want to go and, and a bit of an idea, not being on what I call like the treadmill of life and just putting one foot in front of the other with no actual clear destination. As much as you can, knowing, okay, I want to do this by this time or I want to get into this particular space. And then like, taking every opportunity to to make that um, happen. Even the small things doesn't necessarily have to be huge. And then my last cut for success would be, actually, I just came out of this, but it would be valuing the weak tie. Um, and by that, it's kind of, this is kind of the offshoot of networking, but we all know so many people. Um, but a lot of times, we meet people and then things fizzle out. Um, I make it an effort to always um, nurture what I call weak ties, where it's a simple commenting on someone's LinkedIn post, or if you think about them, sending them a text, making sure that the relationship is always there in some way, because you never know when someone um, could be helpful to you or you need to ask for a favor. And when you always have that weak tie there, it doesn't feel as um, self-centered. There's already a relationship built, but it's something that you have to work on because nobody wants to be like contacted years later, like, hey, can you help me with this? <laughs> um, when you haven't talked to them forever. Um, and, and actually on that note, it's like so many really strong connections have come from those weak ties. Um, things where it's like just small, like, Hey, how are you doing? I thought of you. Um, have turned into like like great friendships. Um, so I think that's that's really important to success because you kind of always need people um, in your corner. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, truly very inspiring and such a refreshing refreshing conversation. I'm sure like our audiences was take we're taking notes. Um, we're learning so much. Oh. Thank you so much for <laughs> being on this. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on this podcast uh, for season one. I'm sure um, they've they've taken back a lot. I know I have. So thank you once again. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Hopefully I said something of value to at least one person. So if that's the case, I've done my job. <laughs>